And amen. Well, thank you for joining me this morning in that time of prayer. And I'm grateful to be here with you this morning in this chance to share God's word that I've been pondering over the last month or so. Yep, it's two days after Christmas, and it's surely been a different holiday season for us all. Maybe now, a few days after, you have this deeper sense of what seemed lost in the fog of the realities that we've all faced. But in the midst of this difference, we've had to learn what to hold on to by letting go. And we're going to talk some about that today as we make our way through the sharing of God's word from the end of Luke chapter 2. But as I was putting it together, I had this image of a bridge in my mind, and um, that brought me back to a, a few of our trips that Joe and I made out to Colorado over the years to visit with my brother and his family. And most times we go out there, we make our way over to Canyon City in Colorado and um, make that trek across the highest suspension bridge in the world, uh, the Royal Gorge. And that walk is not for the faint of heart. And um, Joe has this inordinate fear, fear of heights. So first trip out there, he was not crossing that bridge. And I remember our uh, oldest was five at the time, and I remember him saying, Daddy, you can do it. Daddy, it's not hard to do. Mommy and I did it. But there was no convincing him that year. But um, just a few years ago, he did finally make the trek across the Royal Gorge Bridge. But today, for me, feels a little bit like a trek across a bridge, with 2020 just about behind us and 2021 on the other side of that bridge. And just as we couldn't make it across that suspension bridge while looking behind, we can't make it if we keep our focus on what's behind. So even though we may not know what lies ahead, and we don't, none of us knew last year at this time what 2020 held, in order for us to get there, we need to look forward. But for now, in my head, I keep looking back and forth. I'm still there between all that's happened in this one short year and what may be ahead as we turn the calendar on Friday. As we read through this passage today, we can kind of put ourselves in the lives of the characters of Simeon and Anna, two people that in many ways are really like us. They had to learn how to hold on to what God had for them while letting go of their own expectations, their own life experiences, even their griefs. And there's this one thing they held on to that was the coming of the Messiah King, and that carried them through the pains of their own lives. Holding on to that which mattered most enabled them to move into their tomorrows as they waited. As we sit on the edge of this new year asking these questions as we face the new year ahead, this is really essential. What is God asking you to lean into and hold on to? What is God calling you to let go of, to release in order to really be able to hold on? Let's invite Simeon and Anna to join us on that bridge and wonder some of what questions they and Mary and Joseph may have had. What measure of faith does it take for us while we're right smack in the middle of that bridge, struggling some with what's behind 
and really still very uncertain of what's ahead. Hear this portion of God's word for us this morning. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had not been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God by saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. As we look at this passage for today, we see that Simeon's in Jerusalem in the temple, and he's described as righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit was resting on him. Simeon, it says, was searching for the consolation of Israel, which in simple terms, this meant the long-awaited Messiah. He was waiting with his peers, with his countrymen, for the comfort of God and for the road of salvation for his people. It had been a long wait. Scripture tells us he'd been waiting a lifetime for this to occur. Now that's diligence. Can you name something you've been waiting for for a lifetime? I wonder how many times Simeon wanted to quit waiting. I wonder at what point do you just stop holding on and just give up? Because you can't see what God might be doing. Simeon and Anna were exercising endurance. They were living out their faith, their professed beliefs. Again, how many times can you say you've been waiting all your life to see something happen? As you waited, were you still fully trusting? Would we be able to follow Simeon's pattern of perseverance? Simeon held on to the hope that this day would come. This consolation, which again means more specifically help or rescue for mankind. He was holding on to that this day would come eventually. Simeon was waiting for Israel's deliverance in the person of God's Messiah. He was looking for God's intervention on Israel's behalf, looking for redemption from Roman rule, redemption from destructive institutions, the cruel King Herod, redemption from legalistic scribes, darkness, degradation and despair, as well as the chaos of those days. Do any of those things sound familiar at all right here in 2020? In the midst of all of this, which sounds like a lot like the days we live in, there were those hopefully looking forward to and earnestly expecting what God had promised, the consolation of Israel. When he held the baby Jesus, he spoke about God's sovereignty, fulfilled promises and salvation for all nations. How many things do you imagine that Simeon had to say no to, to let go of, in order to stay and wait in prayer and devotion, holding on to what he knew God told him. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 27 to wait for the Lord, to be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And Simeon did just that. 
the spirit had assured Simeon that he would live to see the Lord's Messiah. And he believed it, and he waited. Are there things that you've been waiting for to come to fruition for months? Maybe even years in your own life. Maybe a loved one's health. Maybe a loved one's salvation. Maybe relief from your own emotional pain. Maybe financial stability. I mean, that list could go on. But let's let Simeon's example be a reminder that God is not slow in keeping his promises. We're reminded clearly that where we find ourselves in is not a time of just disappointment or divine inactivity or God's absence. God is at work even when it seems he's missing and distant. So again, this morning, what is God calling you to embrace, to hold on to, even as you let go? And then we read in a little detail about Anna's presence in the temple. And scripture says, there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher, she was very old, but brought the gift of wisdom with her age. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Scripture tells us that she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. In the temple that day with Simeon, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to this redemption of Jerusalem. So we see here too, she demonstrated her faith while she waited on God, worshiping in the temple and continuously praying for years. I wonder what that was like to live that out day after day, year after year. Anna added power to what Simeon had already said when she testified to the emotional and spiritual investment in the child Jesus and offers praise to God for his birth and life to come. She literally waited years for this day. In her waiting, Anna was holding on. She had lost her love after only seven years of marriage. So I think it's safe to say her life was not all she had hoped. That scenario, that kind of tremendous loss, it's never part of our life plan. Now, is it? Do you ever find yourself saying, I never imagined this would happen, or I would be here, or this wasn't part of my plan ever? Well, for sure, Anna wasn't living the life she had hoped either. But she had to let go of those dreams in order to hold on to what she knew was truth. She held on to what she knew would sustain her. What are those things for you and me? As we wrestled through this long year of being forced to give up so much of what has been our normal, so much of what we thought was stabilizing and essential to our own well-being, we are forced to ask, what is God saying? What is God inviting you and me to in the waiting? 
What must we hold on to like never before? We're so often tempted to reach for something else to give us that comfort or that immediate fix, the happiness or the feeling or experience that we want. But back to that question, what must we let go of in order to hold on? As we think on this story of Simeon and Anna, we learn that even in what must have been long stretches of silence from God, both of them held on to their lifetime practices of God and life within the body of believers and spoke prophetically of the light that Jesus would be to the world and the activity of God in the world to come through Jesus. Yes, even during those years of seeing nothing happening, that's where they lived. I wondered if it got lonely for Simeon at times when others got tired of waiting with him and moved on. Sometimes when we make that decision to live differently, to live out that call to holiness, to live different than the world, we may find it lonely. Some will wait with you for a while, but many will be distracted by the lurings of the world and not be so willing to let go in order to really hold on to what God is calling us to. The waiting is so hard, and we are not good waiters. And you know, the things he's calling us to hold on to may be really hard, as we've noted. There may be no seeming fruit or prayed-about changes. God may seem absent or very, very quiet. And at the same time, those things he asks us to let go of are not necessarily bad or evil things, but they may not be God's best for us and they may not be the things that help us to keep seeking the kingdom of God first, which Jesus calls us to later in Matthew 6, 33. I wonder how many of us would be that faithful. What limits you in this way? What do you, what do I need to hold on to more tightly? What do we need to let go of gets in the way of our constancy in the presence of God. Noticing God in our everyday, hearing his voice as we live life in the ordinariness of every day. Just like we have to keep looking ahead to get across that bridge, we have to be willing to let go of some things in order to hold on to his best for us. In that stripping of so much of what has been our normal for so long over this past year, I've sensed the Lord keep bringing me back to what are you really holding on to, Mary? And what needs to go away? I wonder about the verses in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah challenges the people to decide who they're going to worship, God or Baal. 1 Kings 18.21 reads, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people had no response for Elijah. Elijah reminded them that day that he was the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but that Baal still had 450 prophets so as the story goes, they went ahead and prepared an altar with bulls and wood and poured water over it three times, so much so that it created a trench around the wood. And he then said that the God who answers by fire when we call on him is the one true God. And as you know how the story goes, the God of heaven 
brought down the fire. Sometimes when we hear this story, we think, well, that, that was for back then. There's no bail in 2020. But, oh, we need to really think again. As Ann Voskamp reminds us, there is the Baal, as scripture states, that had 450 prophets. Elijah noted here that he was the only prophet of God left. Sometimes the voices of the world, she says, are like the symphony of the 450 prophets of Baal back then. They're routinely so much louder in our lives than what God's still small voice might be calling us to. Voskamp goes on to say that when we waver between the gods of this world and the one true God, we are wavering, and the literal Hebrew word for wavering is sinking. It's in the wavering between the gods and the voices of this world and the true God of everything that has us flailing and drowning in it all. Do you ever feel that flailing and sense of drowning in the chaos of this past year? What do you need to let go of and hold on to like never before? Elijah was confronting the people about their wavering, their sinking between the God of Abraham and the Baal of sinking, the Baal of success, the Baal of perfection, the Baal of even family over God the Baal of Affirmation. Voskim says it is always the God of Baals that keeps us from the God of heaven. Even the Baals of our work and our own agendas, even the worldly philosophies we pick up along the way. We need to let go of them and hold on to God as we continue on this bridge, holding on by letting go. And now we're joined by this familiar-looking couple, Mary and Joseph, as they join us on this bridge we continue to trek across. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Here in this passage, we find Mary and Joseph starting the process of religious practices in their own little family by believing, acknowledging that their child belonged to God. William Arnold shares his comments on this passage in Luke when he writes, the center of gravity for the family was the gathering place of the people of God. No place was more important than the temple or synagogue. No people were more important than the worshiping community. And no words were more important than scripture. That's one of those things modeled for us in scripture, even here by Mary and Joseph, that God still calls us as the community of faith. Dan Boone reminds us that sometimes in a busy world, we as parents and grandparents fail to grasp the power of repeated ritual for the spiritual formation of our children or grandchildren. In these days, this is something we must hold on to. 
Let me encourage you to hold on to these practices, not for the sake of practices, but to emulate the importance of life in the community of believers to the next generation. Life in this world, life in these days, is very hard. The most common problem I see with those in recovery after they leave their time in residential treatment is that they do not have healthy community to go back to. Many do not even have families, or if their families are nearby, they're also struggling with addiction and wouldn't be safe for them to go back to. And loneliness and that sense of disconnectedness that they feel once they're out of the treatment center, it becomes the weak link in their life that causes them to go back to unhealthy circles of friends and acquaintances rather than just be alone. How great would it be if our children, as they move on into adulthood and into their own lives and to maybe even new parts of the country, and if these adults that I mentioned that are seeking to remain sober, if they all knew with all of their hearts that finding community in the body of believers, where they were going to be cheered on in life, if they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that this community of faith would be near, right there for them, I wonder how much healthier things would be. So let's gather together as a community, and let's be willing to be that voice, that great cloud of witnesses to a lonely and lost world looking for meaning and purpose which we know can only be found in Jesus. And even in those times when you're raising your kids and they say they're bored or they'd rather do other things on Sundays, let me encourage you, as Dan Boone does in his writing on the book of Luke, to root our children in Christian practices that are formative and that prepare them to be ready to give back to this world, to be that hope for the next generation for such a time as this. We only have one chance to do this with our children. Let's be found faithful in doing so. John 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. J.D. Walt shares in this rather lengthy quote, he says, Jesus awakens us. Jesus disciples us. Jesus bands us together. He doesn't intend for us to go back to normal, to drift back to sleep. He has plans and purposes for us. Many of us find ourselves in a state of heightened awakening these days for all the havoc, he writes, brought on by COVID-19. It has given many the gift of awakening. Our arrested development has been, well, arrested. We're at a different place with Jesus now, a new place. The global pandemic will end and life will go back to normal. The piercing question we must prepare to answer, Walt says, is will we go back to normal? So at the end of 2020, as we turn this corner into a new year, though still in reality groveling in the midst of this pandemic, what is God saying to us? What is he saying let go of? 
let go of my child so that you might be found holding on. Sometimes in the letting go, he takes us to new places. He's always wanted to take us to, but our busyness and our distractions, sometimes our cynical spirits, maybe even our unforgiveness, or our just doing life our way, has prevented God from birthing new things in our lives. Hear this again. Sometimes in the letting go, he takes us to new places he's always wanted to take us to. But our busyness, our distractions, our cynical spirits and unforgiveness, our just doing life our own way has prevented God from birthing new things in our lives. I wonder what new thing he might want to birth in me, in you, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our family, in all the ways we do life. What new thing does he want to bring forth? Where is he saying to you, hold on, hold on like never before? Are you wavering in your faith? Are you relaxing your guidelines for your children and raising them in the things of God? Are you weakening in your own resolve to stay connected to God and the community of faith? Where is he saying, hold on? Hold on to even that mustard seed of faith. Hold on to that right now. Maybe it's time to hit that reset button that Pastor Jeff called us to a few weeks back as he shared from the Advent devotional that we've read through this during Advent season, Let Earth Receive Her King. The writer shares these most essential words. They're essential because they pointed us toward the most essential practice of seeing God's possibility in the rubble of life these days. Pastor Jeff went on to say, what if we could all see 2020 as a wiping clean, a stripping away of all we have clung to that gets in the way of God doing something new? What if we could imagine what it can be like if we press that reset button and we, by faith, imagine something new for our lives? Where do you need to press that reset button? May we overcome this fear we sometimes have of surrendering, surrendering what seems so good and normal and comfortable to us, and see what new things he might have awaiting us on the other side of this bridge we're trekking across into 2021 and the years to follow. As we continue over this bridge in the final days of 2020, let's hear that question we were challenged with a few weeks ago. How is the arrival of God trying to come into my life right now? How is the advent of God trying to come to my world right now? Keeping in mind that as his people, what we have to offer in the midst of the chaos and uncertainty that a pandemic brings is clarity. Clarity that the only true security is Jesus. He is the solution to all that's broken in our lives and in this world. <clears throat> the wilderness of sorts is a clarifying season. J.D. Walt says that that reveals that Jesus is enough for us, no matter what we face. So let's give focus in this week, in the days ahead, 
as we turn the page on the calendar to a new year, let's give focus to that question. What do I need to let go of in order to hold on, in order to welcome him to come now? Emmanuel, God is with us. Now would you receive the benediction today? As this year wraps up and draws to a close, may you wrap yourself in the complete love and acceptance of Christ. May you embrace God's redemptive plan for your life with hope and expectancy as you willingly let go in order to hold on. May you be healed and restored as you walk through these last days of 2020 and wait with expectancy for the new things that he wants to do. And as we turn the calendar on Friday, may you greet this new year with fresh faith and vision for the year ahead. In Christ's name and in his peace, we pray. Amen.